You're listening to DraftKings Network. I don't know what the Bears are doing. And I know people say, well, you're a Packers guy, anti-Packers, anti-Bears. No, I would say this about any team. How do you give up that big an asset and not have a companion contract extension? I don't get it. What are the Bears doing? Ladies and germs, welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, November 1st. Happy November. We're produced by Jack Connell, musical producer, my son, Sam Brandt, presented by DraftKings, as always. I mentioned my son, Sam, he is joining me as we're going to go to Germany tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to be there for what looks like maybe the game of the year in the NFL, certainly in the AFC, Dolphins Chiefs in Frankfurt. So I'm doing this as part of a worldly reunion, NFL Europe, NFL Europa reunion. We're all reunioning before the Chiefs-Dolphins game on Sunday morning or Sunday morning here, Sunday afternoon there. Uh, Saturday night, we're going to have a reunion. Oliver Luck, who was general manager of the Frankfurt Galaxy when I was general manager of the Barcelona Dragons, so many others. I think it's going to be mostly German team people. Probably not a lot from my Barcelona crew, uh, but it'll be fun. It's a great excuse for me to get over there. Never been to an NFL international game. Obviously, ran a team in Barcelona, so I've experienced sort of the NFL in bulk overseas, but never a quote-unquote real NFL game, whether in London, in Mexico, in Germany, anywhere else they've had games. That probably is it, but uh, here I go. I'm going to do it. So again, quick trip, leaving Thursday night, coming back Monday morning, but I'm going to see it. And next week on the pod, I'll give you all my impressions of being overseas, of seeing what German uh, takes to football. I'm sure it's much better than the way Spain took to football so many years ago when I experienced it. Uh, and sort of experiencing the fandom I would think there's going to be more Chiefs fans, but who knows, and sort of the whole experience over there. Um, Again, great excuse for an experience, and that's what I'm into, especially if I can do it with my kids. Uh, One of my sons is busy getting ready for the college basketball season. He runs a team down in University of Texas, Arlington, outside of Dallas. But this son from L.A., who does our music, as you know, we're going to have fun over there. All right, so I'll be in Germany. I'll give you all the impressions next week of NFL Germany, the game of the year uh, in the AFC. Chiefs versus Dolphins, of course, as we all expected, played in Frankfurt, Germany. Speaking of the NFL, we're going to get to the trade deadline and all the things that happened in the last 24 hours and then what happened with the Oakland slash Las Vegas slash Los Angeles Raiders. And what a mess that seems to be right now is going to use a less uh, polite word. What's going on with the Raiders? Uh, I'll sort of give you my impressions there, and we're going to get into all that NFL stuff. But we have to start with, yes, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm a Sixers fan. 
the James Harden trade. I want to talk about that. I want to give you my impressions of it. And I want to contrast it with the way that NFL management versus NFL players is compared to NBA management versus NBA players at the star level. So different, so completely different at the NBA side. And Harden's the prime example of that. So let me get to my thoughts on this trade. So on the day of the NFL trade deadline, right? Not NBA, NFL trade deadline. The biggest trade in team sports comes in the NBA because superstar who has been that way for many, many years, made hundreds of millions of dollars. James Harden has gotten himself out of not one, not two, three, his third team. He's traded from the Philadelphia 76ers to the LA Clippers. The trade package is Harden and P.J. Tucker for four expiring contracts of the Clippers, K.J. Martin, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, and I'm missing one, K.J. Martin, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris. Uh, I'll get the other one in a minute. Okay. But that's not important. Those are the expiring contracts. The key, of course for the Sixers is getting draft picks and they've got a 2028 unprotected draft pick. They've got a 2026 protected draft pick. They've got a 2029 pick swap. These are not picks the Sixers are going to use when it gets to 2026 and 2028. That's not happening. This is not a team that's going to wait to use those picks. They can use them now for trade to get an asset to go along with the present team. Maybe not now, not this week, not next week, but certainly by this year's trade deadline or at the latest by the summer where they're going to use those picks. They're the attraction of this trade for the Sixers. It's not the four players they're getting back. It's it's what they're getting out of this for future assets. So they can't really trade these players. They don't have much value. They're all expiring contracts. But what they can trade is the future assets and that's going to be hopefully valuable for the Sixers. The Sixers, for the second time in three years, Daryl Morey, the general manager, trades a player that is going to have no future value to the team and has no present value to the team because they've taken an antagonistic stance. It was Ben Simmons two years ago, which ultimately netted the Sixers' James Harden. It's James Harden today which nets the Sixers' Some players, sure, but more importantly, some future draft picks, which will be used to acquire a present player in the next year. That has some value. So really, these are future trades, and the Sixers, of course, are on the clock to do something with those picks. Not on the clock soon, but on the clock with the next, before the trade deadline, depending on how they're playing. And if they continue to play well without Harden, which they have been, maybe it's another year before they use those picks. But they'll use them. They won't use them to pick players in 2026 and on. They can use them to get a player in the next year that's really going to help the team. As for the Clippers, they go star hunting once again. They're in L.A. They have a new arena. They're Steve Ballmer. They've got three stars on the team, all declining with Kawhi Leonard, with Paul George, with Russell Westbrook. Now they bring on another declining superstar in James Harden. Yeah, maybe it works. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe they have the right formula this time. Maybe these guys stay healthy. Maybe they put it all together. Maybe 
Harden earns another contract. Who knows? But they're star hunting and they're hoping and squeezing and holding on to something that's been there a long time but has never reaped the fruit that they wanted to. But Steve Ballmer has unlimited funds and he's like, okay, let's try it. Seems odd that the Clippers did this with uh, even trade, especially trading those draft picks because they were bidding against themselves. There was no one else in the Harden sweepstakes. They could have sat on this and let Harden infect the team, infect Tyrese Maxey. They could have really leveraged this situation better and said at some point, no, it's just those four players. And maybe one of those three draft picks or at the most two, but not all three. So this is where we are. Uh, those are the two teams. But of course, the real winner of this trade is not the Sixers and not the Clippers. It's James Harden. James Harden has done it again. And as a student and expert on the business of sports, I genuflect to James Harden. And you can think whatever you want about James Harden, but he has general managed himself better than any player in history. Now, when we talk about player GMs and make jokes about Aaron Rodgers getting players on the Jets or LeBron James GMing the Lakers or Giannis getting Damian Lillard, that's all for the team. And ultimately, that's the way it should be. But for GMing your own situation, no one's better than Harden. Harden decides four years ago, I've had enough of Houston. I'm out. I want to get out. And he manages he reverse engineers a way to get himself out. And he gets himself with Kyrie Hart, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Ah, a year and a half later, yeah, I want out. Yeah, I don't really like this. <laughs> so he engineers a way out to his former GM, comes waiting in open arms for him in Philadelphia, Daryl Morey. He's back with a guy who believes him and who championed him more than any GM in the league. Now... Whatever happened the past couple summers with Maury, he doesn't trust him. He doesn't like him. He tells a Chinese audience, I'm never playing for him. It's over. And of course, he could have just hung around the team, been a pain in the butt, done whatever he wanted to do, somehow played but not really played. And lo and behold, he gets his wish. He wants to go to the LA Clippers. Not to any other team. No, nah, just them. And guess what? He did it. <laughs> he got his way from Houston to Brooklyn. He got his way from Brooklyn to Philly. And he got his way from Philly to the Clippers. And you know what? There'll probably be another one next year or the year after. He'll get his way from L.A. maybe back to Houston in the full circle. This is a guy who has done this. Now, this is not for the faint of heart, right? If you're going to play this game, if you're going to do this, you better be like Harden. You better have this combination of indifference and antagonism that he seems to have that can infect teammates, that can alienate front offices, that can alienate fans, that can alienate media, but he gets what he wants. Yeah, there's the, this is not for everyone. So you have to have all of that plus special talent. Now, some people argue he doesn't have special talent. There's 28 teams in the NBA that didn't want him. But he only needed one, and he engineered it. He decided he wanted to get to the L.A. Clippers. How did he make that happen? Well, we just saw it, the game plan. 
be a pain in the ass, get away for 10 days, do whatever party, strip club, beach, come back, want to get on the plane with the Sixers? Nah, they don't want you. All right, I'll wait till you get back. When they get back, all right, here I am. Get traded. <laughs> like, this was magnificent by Harden. So the Sixers got future assets. The Clippers got another star with their group of aging stars. But Harden won the trade, as he always does. And I'm not a fan of Harden off the court, but I'm a fan of his business. Wow. Who's done this? Like, I mean, it's one thing with LeBron to change teams when he's a free agent, right? When he's a free agent or Durant, or Irving, but this guy does it when he's not a free agent. I don't think he's ever been a free agent, right? I don't think James Harden's ever been a free agent. He always gets these super max deals. That doesn't matter. He wants out. So what does he do? Make himself a thorn in the side, cause enough angst with ownership and front office, and he gets moved to the place he wants to get moved. It's amazing. So, the biggest trade of the NFL trading deadline is an NBA trade of James Harden, who of the three parties, Harden, Clippers, Sixers, is clearly the winner. Clearly the winner. And one of the greatest feats in the business of sports history is James Harden moving himself three times as an NBA player. (laughs) Like, moving himself. Like, again, Aaron Rodgers shows up to the Packers a few years ago. I want out. Nah. Nah. <laughs> you know, you're not going anywhere. I, can, I mean, it's just the, the difference between superstars and any other sport. Now, listen, there's levels. There's levels of superstars in the NBA that try to do this. Damian Lillard tried. He went to Milwaukee. Great situation. Okay, playing with Giannis. But he didn't want to go there. He wanted to go to Miami. Didn't get there, got close, got to Milwaukee with a better team, I think. But Harden, Harden didn't care about which team's better. He cares about what team he wants to go to. And it happened to want to go to a team that wanted him. And the only team that wanted him and negotiating against themselves, they gave up future assets to get him. Just amazing. That's my soliloquy about James Harden and the way he has managed to run his own NBA for years and years. Okay, let's get to the NFL trading deadline. Some things to note. Okay, in somewhat fortuitous manner, the Minnesota Vikings, it's never easy to lose a superstar quarterback. And Kirk Cousins had become that. Kirk Cousins had become much more likable this year over the last year with the quarterback documentary the way he conducts himself, the importance of him, people realizing he's a really good quarterback. Yeah, he loses some big games. He loses a lot of big games. But you can count on a lot of yards from Kirk Cousins. And then in a non-contact injury on grass of Lambeau Field, he's out for the year with an Achilles. Here we go. It happened on the eve of the trade deadline. And so the Vikings go out. And what are they going to do? They get Josh Dobbs. I thought for a nice package, like a sixth and a seventh, it ends up being like a Dobbs and a seventh for a sixth. 
Um, now, listen, they have this Jaron Hall. We'll see if he can do anything. But that's a nice insurance package because Dobbs has proven he's a decent player. And, you know, with the seventh seed in the NFC up for grabs, I mean, there are all these teams sort of circling around it. It's going to be a mash mosh pit trying to get that seventh seed, maybe the sixth seed too. Why not? So good on the Vikings for getting a real player, you know, not a low round draft pick that you're guessing. But Dobbs, if he's not going to be started this year, he, this week he will be soon. And the Vikings getting back Jefferson to go along with this looks like a dynamic rookie in Addison. They got a chance. I thought that was a good move. Um, other moves, you know, before the trade deadline, of course, we saw Howie Roseman do it again with the Eagles. I've talked about this many times. He gives the team a competitive advantage. He gets an all-pro player for a package of, of you know, canned meat. I mean, uh, whatever, six pick, six round, fifth round for Kevin Byard, an all-pro safety from the Tennessee Titans. After they got A.J. Brown from the Titans, Titans becoming a farm team for the Eagles. Yeah, I was incredibly impressed that uh, they got that. Now, some of the big trades yesterday, they were the two defensive ends from the Washington Commanders. From the Commanders' point of view, it really was the sort of recording reports that they lose to the Eagles last Sunday. There would be big sellers. That turned out to be the case. Now, losing to the best team in football by a couple points, you would think they're still on the way up. And I thought Ron Rivera, you know, not challenging a really uh, questionable catch by Devonta Smith kind of ruined their chance in that game. But, yeah, they sold. They sold Chase Young for a third-round pick to the 49ers. And again, it really, they, they traded Chase Young for Rand Carthon. Rand Carthon was the personnel person in San Francisco, a minority African-American. They developed, he went to take a head job with Tennessee. They get a compensatory third round pick. That pick used to acquire Chase Young. So good management by the 49ers to have that. I still think it's a bit of an overpay, even though Chase Young was the second pick in the draft. Again, you're talking about someone that has not lived up to potential. You think he's going to because he gets out there. I don't know. It seems like more of a hope than a plan. But, yeah, if they want to give up a third-round pick for the second pick over on the draft years ago, I guess it's worth it. 49ers building on strength. The strength of their team is defensive line, even though they didn't play well against the Bengals. Let's see if that works. Obviously, they spent a ton of resources on that D-line. Of course, Bosa, of course, Hargrave, the big free agent spend, $20 million a year this offseason. And now Young uh, doesn't have a lot of future in it, so they're going to have to re-sign him or they're going to have to figure out a way to keep him. But again, the 49ers giving up a third-round pick that was basically a gift as part of the new Rooney Rule specifications um, – I think that's worth the flyer. Again, Fortnite's have made some questionable decisions. I, I still don't understand the Trey Lance thing. Uh, they're bailed out by the play of Brock Purdy, but that was an interesting trade. Washington giving up on Chase Young. Uh, Washington gives up on the other defensive end, Montez Sweat. Now, there was some interest in him, I heard, even before the trade deadline, and that worked out to a second-round pick, and they get it from the Chicago Bears. This is an extraordinary pick. This is like a first rounder. The Bears are one of the worst teams in the league. 
this will be a pick between number 33 and probably number 43, which is very close to a first round pick, has extraordinary value for teams. And they got it. Now, it's one thing to give up a high second round pick for a premier pass rusher, pass rusher, excuse me. But as far as I can tell, they only have him for eight games or nine games. And that I don't get. The Chicago Bears have given up a high second round pick for a player that they might not have on their roster for eight more, eight, nine more, for after eight or nine games. Now, yes, there's a franchise tag, sure, but that gives all the leverage to the player. And all the leverage to the player has passed if they didn't get a companion contract extension done at the time of the trade. So people are saying, well, they still have time to get them under contract for the future. Well, sure they do. But now what is Montez Sweat going to say? Why would I do that? I've got the franchise tag. I'm six months from free agency. Now, if Montez Sweat said, if they went and said, hey, we're going to trade for you, but we need a contract. And the only way the trade went through is with a contract, which is what the smart teams do. They would have had one by now. But I haven't seen anything in the media, Chicago or otherwise, that Montez Sweat has a new contract extension. If he does, I understand a second round pick for Sweat. If he doesn't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get giving up, the say, the 38th pick in the draft for eight games of a defensive pass rusher. I don't get it. This is a team that gave up a high second-round pick last year for Chase Claypool, who they traded for nothing to the Dolphins. I don't know what the Bears are doing. And I know people say, well, you're a Packers guy, anti-Packers, anti-Bears. No, I would say this about any team. How do you give up that big an asset and not have a companion contract extension? I don't get it. What are the Bears doing? What is Montez Sweat going to be for them? At best, they get a franchise tag next year, which they have to use on him as opposed to anyone else like Justin Fields. And then he's got all the leverage, Sweat. I mean, if they're comfortable paying Sweat $25, $28 million a year, like these top defensive ends, for a team that's just starting out, oh, my God. I mean, I don't get it. Another trade that was kind of a money ball trade I kind of liked, you know, the New York Giants trade Leonard Williams for a second-round pick from Seattle. Again, second-rounder, nice. But then we find out... The Giants paid off his contract except for minimum. So Williams goes to the Seahawks, is only getting minimum, $9 million paid by the Giants on, their, on his way out, a parting gift after they paid him all this other money the past couple of years. So I get that from both sides, I guess. I guess this is a money ball trade. Way back, Brock Osweiler going from Houston to Cleveland. Cleveland gives a second-round pick in order to take on the big salary. Gets a second-round pick, excuse me to take on the big salary giants get us. Uh, I'm sorry, Seahawks. I'm sorry. Giants get a second round pick, but they pay for it. Right. So they pay 9 million on the way out. They get their second round pick for Leonard Williams. That makes some sense. And as far as the Seattle side, they get Leonard Williams for minimum, but they give up a second round pick. This is what people don't understand about trades. The financial part, it's important. And as I've said before, this is not like the NBA Major League Baseball where you can trade cash. But what you can do is 
give a bonus. You know, it's a way around it. So you give Williams has say nine point nine has ten million left on the deal this year. They pay him nine million as a bonus on the way out. They only inherit a million dollar salary. So that's a way around it. Okay, Packers trade. Everyone's asked me about this. Packers trade a third round pick. I'm sorry. Packers receive a third round pick from Buffalo for Russell Douglas, starting cornerback, and a fifth. As the report went, they weren't interested in trading Russell. They got an offer, a third round pick. And I know the Packers. I know how they think. You get offered a third round pick, you run and take it because that's gold. Again, these second, third round picks, these second day draft picks are very valuable to these teams. And I think the Packers said, even though, you know, the young corner Eric Stokes is hurt, he's going to be back at some point. They've invested two first round picks at at that corner spot, including him and Jared Alexander and all the money in Alexander. Rasul Douglas is not the long term. And they moved on. He was a valuable guy in the locker room, I heard. He was a good veteran that they needed, but the Packers cannot resist a third-round pick. What do I think of it? Well, I think, again, what do I think of the Packers? I think the Packers are in a, a year of reset. Uh, they've got $40 million on the cap for Aaron Rodgers. They're not playing with a full deck. They went all in on Aaron Rodgers a year ago. They're paying for it now. They've got the youngest, the youngest and cheapest receiving core in the NFL, the youngest and cheapest group of wide receivers, the youngest and cheapest group of tight ends, only one skilled player on a veteran contract, Aaron Jones. You know, this team, (laughs) it's better to be young and not so good than old and not so good. At least they got that going for them. Story's still written on the Packers. You know, I'm not, obviously, I know the organization well. I'm trying to reserve judgment because we've seen ups and downs from Jordan Love. <clears throat> We're whatever, seven games in. And uh, let's, you know, I know I'll say the same thing about all these other quarterbacks. Let's wait and see. Um, now, when you're a year and a half in or you're a couple years in and you look at Zach Wilson or at Justin Fields and like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, like, Yeah. But when you're seven games in, I think that's hard. I think that's hard. Same thing for Bryce Young. You know, same thing for Stroud only had a hundred and something yards last week. I mean, yeah, it's just uh, you can't do anything at that point. Uh, So other things on the trade deadline. I think that about covers it. Um, You know, Washington with the sell-off. It's so interesting because Daniel Snyder, of course, he'd be on the other end of that. He's no longer the owner. The owner is Josh Harris. Josh Harris yesterday trades James Harden, trades Chase Young, and trades uh, Josh Sweat. So that's quite a day for the new owner of the Washington Commanders. Um, Yeah, interesting that, you know, which sort of tells me which way Washington is going. And even though they also could have been moving for that seventh seed, but they're doing it in a different way. And hey, getting an extra two and an extra three from teams like the Bears, well, not so much 49ers, but the Bears, yeah. I mean, again, if I'm the Washington, I don't know about Chase Young, but I get offered a second from the Chicago Bears for pretty much anyone on the team? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Bears are bad. That's a highly valuable pick. You know, we talked about the picks 
for the Clippers in 2028 in basketball? Well, how about the Bears in 2024 in football? That's a good pick. Just like the Chase Claypool pick. The Pittsburgh got that pick. So that's a good pick. And especially on an expiring contract with Josh Sweat. Okay, let's move to the Raiders. Raiders overnight fire their coach overnight on the East Coast. Josh McDaniel's gone a night after losing badly to the Lions. Um, and the GM, Dave Ziegler, gone. Um, yeah, it seems like Mark Davis, kind of an impetuous guy, impetuous guy. Um, had enough. And uh, reports are he's talking to the veterans, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. And whatever he heard from them convinced them we're out. Uh, no more Josh McDaniels. They've now gotten rid of, in different circumstances, of course, John Gruden, a 10-year contract. Uh, Josh McDaniels, six-year contract. McDaniels rumored to be $60 million deal, which probably puts about $40-plus million still on the deal. We're a year and a half into a $6 million deal. And here's the thing. Yes, coaching contracts are guaranteed. Yes, they'll have to pay it off. Yes, it's subject to offset. So when we talk about Josh McDaniel's deal, if and when he takes a job as a coach, any income from that will be offset against the Raiders' future obligation. These things can get tricky when you go to a team that kind of plays the system and says, well, we're only going to pay him a couple hundred thousand dollars. Then you have to go to the league and try to get arbitration and have the team pay market values so the incumbent team is not paying so much on the contract. I dealt with this a few times with the Packers when I would fire, when we fired coaches and they end up in other teams and they're getting paid a fraction of what they were, even as assistants. And, um, you know, you have to sort of, and the team would say, well, they're not doing what they were doing at the Packers and you have to get involved with that. And the league has to get involved. It's kind of a pain in the butt, but what goes around comes around. If these teams are trying to take advantage of not really paying what they should pay in these situations, that's not right. Um, so Josh McDaniels, if he doesn't work, of course, he's going to get that money. Now there's a duty to mitigate, to go look for a job. There are no jobs right now. So likely Josh McDaniels gets his money this year. As for the future, well, we'll see, you know, the future is, where's he going to end up? If he makes say half a million somewhere as a coordinator or a senior coach, that comes off the Raiders. Should it be less? Should it be more? This is what happens. Now, this is not only for him, but eventually the whole staff. Mark Davis paying off all this money. He is certainly one of the most cash poor owners, but in his back pocket, as we know, as I've talked about, he made the best deal in the history of the business of football that has since been surpassed by the Bills and the Titans when he got $750 million from Nevada as a stadium subsidy. That certainly helps his bottom line to have money to pay off McDaniel Gruden and whatever else he's going to pay. On the quarterback side, Garoppolo's now benched. They're going with Aiden O'Connell. Garoppolo signs for 34 guaranteed last offseason. He's been paid this year. He'll be paid over 24 of that. He's got 11 and a half guaranteed next year. Again, that's an offset. So if he goes somewhere else, makes $5 million. That's 11.25 is offset against what the Raiders owe. Now, he has a roster bonus of 11.25 as well on the fifth day of the league year in March. It doesn't seem likely at all he's going to get that. 
And what we'll see out of the Raiders for two consecutive years, or two out of the three consecutive years, is getting rid of a quarterback that they gave a big contract to just the year before. That was Derek Carr, and that will be Jimmy Garoppolo. If he's being benched now, he's not going to be the future of the team. And they're going to have to worry about 11.25 guarantee next year, let alone the $12 million plus due this year that he's obviously owed. What a mess. What a mess. In Vegas, fear and loathing in Vegas. They're going to have to pay off McDaniels. They're going to have to pay off Garoppolo. And who knows what's going to happen with Devontae Adams, who's stuck. Trading deadline is gone. It's over. Forget about it. Uh, He's stuck there at least through the year. I can't see him lasting anything beyond that. Okay. Busy, busy couple days with trades. Harden in the NBA and all the trades in the NFL. And then the implosion mid-season of the Oakland, Los Angeles, now Las Vegas Raiders. That's an experience out there. (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. Next week, I will give you all my impressions from Germany and the NFL Germany game, the best one of the year in the AFC, Chiefs-Dolphins. Share the podcast with a friend. I hope it's unique. It's hope it teaches you every week. I get nice comments that there's nothing like it. That's what I try to be here. Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Instagram, Andrew Brandt 2. Newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. <clears throat> Sports Business League. Get a video every day. Weekly meetings, sportsbusinessleague.com. And, of course, columns on Sports Illustrated. I also sat down with my friend Jay Wright at Villanova yesterday. That will be released as a podcast soon. He is a national treasure, that guy. Still very young. What a coach. What a person. What a leader. You'll hear that at some point, too. Thanks to producer Jack Connell, musical producer Sam Brandt. Boy Blue Tunes will be joining me in Germany this weekend. Thanks to you for listening again. Your comments, your rankings on Apple are always appreciated, or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you next week on the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.